guys, this is Funderated. This is my husband, Paul Doyle, and I'm Francis McGee, and we are sharing with you Funderated, movies that are not only fun, but underrated. Today, our genre is comedy, and the movie is Kingpin. Kingpin. Let's dive in. From the idiots that brung you dumb and dumber. You wouldn't happen to have a Phillips head screwdriver, would you? He's the man with the rubber hands. Oh, creepy. He's the Amish kid with the golden arm. Whoa! <laughs> you could be a champion. I'm just not interested. You suck! Now, these two pinheads will teach each other you just feel it. Oh. about life in the fast lane. You're about to embark on a great adventure. Does anyone else want one? No, oh, I'll take a couple jugs. Woody Harrelson, what have you been doing all these years? Drinking. Brandy Quaid. This is pretty good fun for only $2.99 a minute. Vanessa Angel. Get your hands off me. And Big Bad Bill Murray. On July 26th. Watch the door. Get your mind in the gutter. I will pay you $1 million to sleep with your friend here. Kingpin. <laughs> Are you still drinking? No, 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 no. I, I don't. That's that's behind me now. I just. Why are you buying? But the reason why I we picked this movie is because it, for a comedy, it's like surprisingly deep. Like, would you would you agree? Yeah, I mean, not at first glance. Obviously, at first glance, you look at it and you're like, oh, this looks like a fun movie. It's a Farley Brother movie. It's going to be silly. It's probably gonna have some really cartoonish moments, and the subject is like bullying, and like, uh, I really like it because as an adult, it makes me laugh, but also it's highly relatable in a totally different way with like being naive, competition, not understanding like, uh, what were we talking about with that? Oh, the, um... so, I, well, I, the reason I wanted to pick it is because there, there's a for a comedy. It's surprisingly deep. Like they take the character of Woody Harrelson's character, and he is so good at bowling, but he doesn't know what the business is that he's in. He doesn't know the level of like sketchy or the level of competition that he kind of naively stumbles into, and is quickly taken advantage of uh, by Bill Murray, and. The thing that kind of related to me is that, like, in comedy, like, I, I was kind of the same boat. Like, I could always make people laugh, but I didn't know what the business side of it was, and I didn't know that there are people who are, like, just sharks and will just do anything they can to just take you out. And Frances, in her own way, has experienced that as well yeah. with, with roller skating. Um, and that's something that we could talk about later, but, like, in this sense, like, this movie is, is fascinating. Like, he... He grew up as a bowler, and they have a fun, like, background sequence. I uh, love the flashback. Yeah, the flashback <laughs> is, like, one of the best parts of the movie. Like, the, the, the prologue of Kingpin is, is one of the reasons why I think I like the movie so much, is because it, like, he takes you on this journey of, like, Woody Harrelson's character before mm -hmm. him, but he is kind of this prodigy, like, this bowling prodigy, 
and he's so good at bowling that like all he cares about is bowling like he doesn't know anything about making money from it well he's has like a really wholesome background right where you were talking about like the prologue from this is like yeah it's a very wholesome background it's very like white picket fences which is hilarious because like his, him as a kid it's like literally skipping and hopping over picket fence and like taking himself out in the process and like hanging out with his dad who he idolizes is like this big like quintessential 1950s like almost comic book milkman-esque dad you yeah know? his dad's like a plumber or something yeah like wears like, like a uniform very yeah. like blue collar like wholesome you know and they're in the backyard and it looks like they're getting ready to like play father-son catch and then you know it pulls back and it's <laughs> they're bowling in the backyard mm -hmm. you know which is and they don't even have a bowling alley it's just like dirt and like wood pins yeah uh, it's very silly and very fun but it's also very sweet it feels very wholesome yeah and then they have a flash forward scene to like where he's like the town well he's the town hero right he's the town hero he's the local prodigy it's something that you know his him and his father did together and he goes out to like make it big in the big city with the big leagues and he leaves the comfort of his small town with the support of his family and his family doesn't have much it seems like you know it's like this very humble beginnings you know and uh and even though it's like a cartoon concept it's still like relatable on some levels you know where you're like oh you know um He's leaving home. Yeah, and he gives, like, out. the dad gives him his, like, fancy Cadillac car, uh, and he, they, they, he gives him all he has to, to make it. He's like, son, this is your, this is your thing, you, this is your gift, uh, some people have this thing, you have bowling, like, all that you need to learn is, like, these, you know, the three holes or whatever. <laughs> and, like, that, that idea, he goes into bowling, you know, with this naivety that, like, I really related to and that's that's the part that like made me like the movie the most and so it's like you're immediately on board with Woody Harrelson's character and you start to understand like I can see this happening to myself where I just get in over my head and like before I know it I'm being taken advantage of and my arm is getting taken off and you know well let's not forget he like he's very naive he's super young I mean young Woody Harrelson is like adorable you still know still 45 yeah right <laughs> playing like an 18 year old or whatever right. is happening and you know he's at the top of his game he's just natural and he sweeps you know and people love him but he's also like though he's this golden boy he really is oblivious to like the dark sides of this industry that he really doesn't know anything about on that big league level. And I think in a lot of sports movies they they, they don't explore that very much, like what the dark sides of are of you know of the business. And a lot of those, uh, you know, like I think the Mighty Ducks two did a pretty good job of that. Where uh, I don't know if you remember because we haven't seen that movie in a long time, mm -hmm. but you know he becomes like Coach Bombay, and they had this running joke of him getting his own like pro sneaker, and he's like, "You're gonna be the first coach that's ever had a sneaker," and it's like the it's silliest. Like... It's one of the silliest ideas, but that's part of it. It's like the corruption of the sport, and when you and everybody goes bowling, and everybody loves to go bowling, and when you walk into bowling alley, like the sounds and the smells, and there's all this light brightness, and the, but also at the same time there is like a darkness to it, like every bowling alley has a bar, you know, and like it's, the yeah, people that are working like, there are all kind of sketchy I, in a lot of ways. I really do like that they're like, 
that they show that that it's about like this underbelly world of you know making it making that money making those wins and he gets in involved with somebody who i think he is a competitor with but he also admires yeah is the it becomes like the his demise is trusting somebody that he admires and being led down a path where that person that he admires is played by bill murray this villain this villainous uh well would you say that even though he's a villain he um there's part of the, him where he looks up to him because he's a pro bowler. Right. But he doesn't, the part of the nativity is that he doesn't realize, like, that this guy, even though he's a pro, isn't that good. And that, like, he's actually better than that guy. Right. And that guy is, even though Bill Murray's character is a pro, is threatened by right. Woody Harrelson's character. Right. Uh, making it to where this is a thing that, like, you know, I, I think a lot of people and you might have struggled with, and I've, I've struggled with too, is like, people just don't like you because you're good. And when you're good at something, always people thought that like, oh, all the doors are gonna open and it's just gonna be like, that's all you need to be. And I was like, no, people get mad at that and they wanna stop that and they wanna push you down. And it's, Bill Murray in a lot of ways is a really deep character for a villain. Like I thought that's Well, a, he's a natural like bully. There's a scene where he's in the diner where he's first you know, Woody Harrelson's character is new. Though he's talented, though he's new to the scene, he needs a job, he needs to make ends meet. Bill Murray sees the opportunity to take advantage of somebody so naive and unaware, and he plays on it. And there's a scene where they're like in, um, and I love this part with Bill Murray, specifically like getting what he wants out of people. like. The waitress comes over and he's like, hey, do me a favor, go wash that perfume off before you come back to our table. And she like walks away and then she, he tells, you know, he tells uh, Woody's character what he needs him to do and then actually go eat that outside while he thinks. And then he gets up and goes and you see him, <laughs> you see Bill Murray's character make these requests and then watch people do what he says and you can see him like sit with that power for a little bit and decide that he wants more, almost like picking grapes off of, you know, a bunch that he's not going to pay for, you know? Like, he's getting his off of literally everybody in the scene. Th these two characters leave, the waitress leaves, Woody's character leaves, and then he goes for more at the other table with Yeah, know, he's like, he says hello, them. and the woman's like, hello, and he's like, not you, you. And then, like, it's, yeah. it's just hello. really it's, an asshole. Like, it's such a great... He, it's clear that he gets his, and he simply just, it's almost like it's not his fault that he gets it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's so natural to him. It's so it's natural to like him. It's almost like he can't control it. Right, that, and that he's almost like can't help himself, that he is like has to do this. So, um, and you're just like, oh, for Woody's character, like don't do it. Like there's so many, I watched it again, I think I watched it twice recently and I, you just kind of like don't want his character to fall for this but you know he does he does and uh he gets played and he's abandoned by uh uh don't worry Murray. yeah <laughs> and his hand is gone his one ticket to his 
creativity, his career, everything goes down the drain because he was duped by this one person. So now his character is embittered, his character feels abandoned, his character is in financial despair. Well, what's interesting, what I thought was really interesting is that um, Woody Harrelson, once he loses his hand, sort of starts to mirror Bill Murray's character and the fact that he sort of starts to do some of the things that uh, Bill Murray's character would do and like some of the hustling and some of the like, you know, getting his. Yeah, like running games on people and like using people for his advantage and not for their advantage. And you start to see this juxtaposition and you're like, oh, this guy is like fallen. He's fallen hard. And now he's and become almost like he's in He almost becomes like the villain and projecting his pain that he experienced. Yeah. And then right. what's interesting about Randy Quaid's character as Ishmael. The, the Amish guy is right. that now Ishmael is the new naive person with the golden hand and so much better than him even. yeah yeah even better than him it was like yeah. they were saying he like averages 275 like that's really good bowling score that's incredible <laughs> it's almost like that's almost every frame is a strike like almost every frame yeah um, I think that it is every frame is a strike uh, I almost, I don't know enough about bowling, sorry, that's my, I'm ignorant about that, but either way, like, this movie is way deeper than a lot of comedies that you would see, and especially in comparison to, like, Dumb and Dumber, where it's like, the, the main drive behind Dumb and Dumber is that Jim Carrey and uh, the other guy, they just <laughs> want to create a worm store, and then they just kind of, like, fail and luck their way into stuff, and stumble into like the predicaments the predicaments that yeah. happen and and like and goof themselves out of and into the next thing it's it's dumb and dumber is a really fun ride kingpin is a darker ride and i think it's a bit of a it was a bit of a sleeper in the 90s because of that yeah and then the fairly brothers i read that they felt that the movie was a bomb and then they they were embarrassed for it and that they did not um, oh, that they were, and so that they were good. disappointed by the return of the movie. Uh, and when the movie came out, it actually got really good reviews from like Siskel and Ebert. And a lot of people thought that the movie was a bomb, and those guys didn't. They gave it like a, it was like a three point five out of four stars. Yeah. And so, and I think that's the reason for that is because of what the things we were just talking about is like the, there's this deep character development through these two main characters of Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson that like they and even Ishmael. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. he evolves too, because he changes from like this naivety, like Amish character to more of like, I, I left to go save the farm, and now I come back and, you know, I realize that drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and like some Rebelling. of my sexual, yeah, stuff isn't really that all that bad because at the end of the day, like, we used some of that to like for good. And I thought that that was a really interesting, like, they just dip your toe into it for a little bit and then. Come back with bigger left five hundred thousand dollars yeah, that yeah. they used to save the farm. Save it, right? But what there is a thing that like I think Amish people are allowed to do where they like the for like a couple. I don't know what it's called, but they're allowed to like leave for a couple of years to go like experience life. Right, but I also love that you can't with the actors' ages and how it jumps back and forth through time. Like you don't really know how old Ishmael's character is really supposed to be. He's just really sweet and um, naive and definitely out on his own for kind of the first time and like involved in this racket essentially yeah um in this competition which is goes against 
a lot of his upbringing and beliefs, but Woody Harrelson's character sees so much in him that he sees himself in him and almost wants to have this new opportunity to do it again. Almost like this do-over opportunity through this other person in any way possible, even going as far as like going onto the property to like convince him directly, like sit down with the family and pose as like... Probably one of the <laughs> best sequences in, 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 I think in Woody Harrelson's career and watching him ham it up and become this like crazy Amish character where he has this like accent that's like, hello, top of the morning. He to sounds you. like the Lucky Charm, like the Lucky Charms character. His, like he's yeah, obviously Amish he's not is... there. He doesn't fit in. Everyone's like, who is this guy? Like, where is he from? He's not doing the traditions and cultures properly. And, you know, um, they're like, brother, whatever. they're like, brother Ishmael, like, where does it say in the Bible that it's okay to like leave you know, like everybody while we're raising the, the barn. barn, and he's like, I, it's in there. Like he just <laughs> says these things that, like, we oh got. Well, yeah. let's let's get to. I mean, we've the gone through forgiveth. the we've gone through like the synopsis of the movie and kind of why we love it and and think that it's underrated because there's so much depth to it, even right. though it's ridiculously silly. Absolutely. Um, but I but the what I one of the things that I was shocked by was that the movie was has it has a lot of really uh, edgy comedy. Like there's a lot of like bestiality jokes and there's a lot of like really just dark sexual stuff in it. To where I was shocked when I saw that the the rating was PG thirteen. Because I would have given this movie like a hard a hard R rating. Um, hard R. Hard R. Uh, <laughs> no, I think with the R, hard R, I think you have to have, I think there has to be some nudity and maybe even some like male genitalia and uh, there's a lot of Why F, is that the specific? Because it's just what I've seen in movies. Like they always like, they always show male genitalia. Well, I mean, I don't think that there was any, there definitely wasn't any of that, but I don't think the cussing was too much, but there definitely was like a lot of innuendo. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know what Dumb and Dumber was rated, if it was rated PG-13, and then this one maybe was, or, I don't know, like, you didn't see anything, like, explicit in it, but it was, I remember the first time I watched it, right? Right. The first time I watched it, I was young, and I, my dad had rented it, and we were watching it, like, I think as a family, and we're, like, laughing, and we're watching it, and then we get to the scene, not that far into the movie, where he um, he ends up at the time I didn't know, but he ends up like sleeping with his landlord to make up for the fact that he kind of played her. Yeah, well, she caught him because like there at the beginning he was short on the rent, right. and then like he orchestrated this thing like where he was where the landlord lady was gonna get robbed at like knife point. He and rescues he her. comes in to be like a hero. Right. And like to knock out the guy with the knife. And then the guy with the knife meets him later in his apartment and was like, is like, oh, we did a good job, yeah. right? And he's like, yeah, like that, we did really great. And he's like, did you really have to hit me that hard? And he's like, I didn't hit you that hard. And he's yeah. like, you spilled coffee on me. He's like, the coffee was cold, you know? Like, yeah. And so it's a, this fun scene and then the landlady kind of like, stumbles into his apartment yeah and then she sees him, yeah and then know? she sees him in there and then she's like you motherfucker and she's like about to kick him out yeah and that's the part where he's his he rock bottom yeah this is his rock bottom we're like we're talking about this guy's rock bottom you know he's doing things now to like make ends meet he's like 
kind of being this skeezy guy. He ends up like, you know, trying to smooth things over with her and he's like, anything. And she's like, well, and cut to she's smoking a cigarette and he's puking in the, in the bathroom. And so when I was a kid and I was watching and there was that whole cut, jump cut to her smoking a cigarette, I was like, I turned to my dad and I went, what happened? I'm so confused. <laughs> and he's like throwing up and my dad was just like, go to bed, go to bed. bed. He was like, get out. Like, this movie is over for you. You're done. You cannot watch this. Now, when I was a kid, we never watched this movie, but we did watch other movies. We watched Ace Ventura. Yeah. And Ace Ventura, um, I don't know if I had a go to bed moment in it where because there's not a lot of sex or nudity. I think um, in the in Ace Ventura, we skipped through, I think my dad fast-forwarded through the scene where... Um, That's great. Where like <laughs> Ace Ventura and the, he invites that girl over to, and then they have sex with the, the chick from Friends. They have sex yeah. for the first time and all the animals are like... <laughs> and then the, the music is in, in the jungle. And I think we fast-forwarded through that part. That's funny. And a lot of it was maybe because my mom wasn't home. But if my mom had been home, then there would have been like the whole movie would have been a go-to-bed moment. Like <laughs> it would have been like the <laughs> opening scene where he's like getting his dick sucked and he's like holding on to the thing. So what Kingpin like when Kingpin came out, it just we never it was never even gonna happen for me like in my family they were like my parents had nah, written like, it off my dad like, like I mean PG-13 you know whatever we're all watching it and he was just like go to bed so it was hilarious to be a grown up and I'm like well let me like go back and watch Kingpin I remember it was funny but I never finished the movie and so we're watching it and right at that part where it jumps to her smoking and him throwing up I was like oh this is the part where my dad told me to go to bed. I have never seen anything past this point. So we're like watching it and I'm just laughing and I'm just like, I'm rolling because it's hilarious. The movie's great, but I'm also at the same time watching it through the perspective of like my dad watching this with like a sprinkling of children just like la 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 thinking they're getting <laughs> into like some fun Ace Ventura type thing and then it's just like la like that's hilarious. Yeah. It made it even funnier for me. Um, but we had no, yeah, I had no idea. There's, uh, well, I mean, it's strange because like we were allowed as I was allowed as a kid to watch Dumb and Dumber, and I was trying to think of like what would be the go to bed moment in Dumb and Dumber, and I was like maybe the scene in Dumb and Dumber where he. Um, he falls asleep behind the wheel of the car, uh -huh. and all of a sudden he's in this like fantasy where he's a, on a date with the lady and then the guy comes in and then they get in a battle and he like rips his heart out. Right. And then later like Jim Carrey and the and the woman are about they're like making out in like a really like aggressive like sexual thing. He's basically like shoving his tongue down her throat. Uh -oh. And then and then she takes her shirt off and it's like the flashing lights. Yeah. It's a great gag. Like a hilarious yeah, that and then good. like and then he wakes up and then he's about to be in a car accident. Yeah. Um, and I think that that probably would have been the moment. But that movie, like, I think I was allowed to watch Dumb and Dumber because it didn't have anything that was, like, blatantly sexual. Whereas, like, Kingpin has some stuff that's, like, this is, like, blatantly, <laughs> like, in your face, like, aggressive. To have the woman go, like, ah, that was like it's so, so, it's so aggressive. 
But it's so funny. It's like, funny. It's, it's totally necessary to the movie. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And she becomes like, you could see her. I think I said this when we were watching. I was like, is there like an exorcist movie where the <laughs> landlord is like a, the exorcist chick? Because but that was the she vibe. has like the energy of that, of that like, that, was the vibe. that that's craziness why she where she's like, ah, ah. That's why she got the dicks in hell. You know, like that's the. That's why she got the job. She's perfect, perfect cast. There's Absolutely. a funny story about that casting, actually. Yeah, that yeah, so online, uh, I read this, was that um, that actress actually came in to audition for that role, and she, uh, when she initially came in, and what's, what's even crazier is that, like, uh, she had been in one of the Fairly Brothers movies before. She had, like, a small role, I think, in, in oh, Dumb and Dumber. I didn't know that. So, they, so she comes in to audition for it, and she, uh, they, she was so in character that they didn't recognize her. They thought she was a homeless person. Who yeah, was... who was just trying to get, like, an ashtray yeah. for her cigarettes. And so they were, they were, like, trying to kick her out. And then she said, no, I'm here. I'm here to audition for the role of the landlady. And then they were blown away by her, like, performance that they didn't know what to do. like they had cast her right away and then they put her in other movies uh after kingpin has come out so like that's a crazy that's such a crazy story yeah i've never auditioned for anything so i'd imagine like that process I would think be it's incredibly stressful and beautiful that she like came in 110 so 110 that they were like security and then <laughs> And then they didn't see anybody else and they were like sold like mm -hmm. I mean she's a hero I, let's talk about let's let's hit this list we've really set up the movie for quite some time okay um, what do you think and we're in 2020 now what do you think and this movie came out and you had a bet hold on you had a bet that the movie came out in what 98 I originally thought 98 but I'm starting to think it was either 97 or 96 okay and my bet was 97 and then in reality the movie did come out in 96 so it did come out in 96. Um, but that being said, now in 2020, what do you think has aged the best? What's aged the best in that movie? Do you think this movie has aged well? Do I well? think that this movie has aged well? Right. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this movie aged fine. Okay, with like, with feminism... Do you, let okay. me ask you, let's, let's flip it around. Paul. Do you think that this movie has aged well? I, I, no. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's, I, don't, I mean, in the world of, like, being, like, woke, even how annoying that is, like, um, it's, it's kind of, um, there's moments that are really sexist, and oh, yeah. I, I think that, um, even though the female character is incredibly powerful, and she, there's a scene where she beats him up, um, even and then that's a pretty. What female character are you talking about? The landlord, or are you um, talking about? So about partway through the movie, he meets um, the girlfriend. The um, girlfriend of this like. Like a gangster guy. Yeah, who they like, you know, they. Kind they of run a game. They run a swindle on him. Yeah, and they screw like, out of some money. Right. Um, and the girl, the that girl helps them escape this gangster guy. Right. Um, but as they're on the road together. Um, she, she uses her feminine wiles to, like, swing some of these bowling tournaments that they, they enter on the way up to, like, earn money. Uh, so she dresses in these, like, really scantily clad outfits, and that's one of the things that I'm like, I don't think that that aged very well, but in, in 
the reverse of that, there was a scene where she, like, hit her and Woody Harrelson get in a fight, and she kicks his ass, like, hard. And so there's a little bit of, a, like, a redemption in this, where it's like, even though it's not super sensitive to the way it portrays females in the most positive light, it also has some, like, redemption factors too yeah, which I thought a... I thought which I thought was kind of fascinating um, but I think even more than the the feminism stuff um, I don't think that the in a lot of ways uh, and I was thinking about this after the movie ended um, Bill Murray has this line where they ask him how he feels about his win like he wins the bowling championship at the end of the movie and he asks about his win he's like didn't you just beat someone who's disabled? And he's like, I don't care, I'm rich. As long as I, or something like that. He's like, I don't care as long as I'm rich. Like, it's something to do with, like, that. And even though, like, Bill Murray's character is an asshole, and that was who he's supposed to be on as a character, that, uh, the idea of Woody Harrelson's hand, you know, he is disabled. And a lot of the movie is, and a lot of the jokes are like hung up on the fact that like, he doesn't have a hand. Uh, and it's it's super integral to the plot. Like it really is like, uh, if he didn't lose his hand, there would be no movie. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, it, he has to have that moment where he does lose his hand and he basically loses his, it's, that, that hand is kind of like a symbol of his like own pride a lot. And well, he carries his ring on that hand, but it's also like... It's hollow and fake. It's hollow and fake, and a yeah. lot of it has to do... It's just the butt of so many jokes. Like, um, And they're all funny, but at the same time, like, you do have to look back at it, but like, they are technically making fun of someone who's disabled. And what's crazy is that like, even though he's disabled, like, he still is able to keep up with... Bill Murray's character. I, and so a lot of ways, like, it's kind of positive, too. I which also is, see him as, see, he sees himself as somebody who is not as abled as other people, which is why he needs to have this other guy there who's great, Ishmael's character, there to, like, rise, you know? And um, Bill Murray is no longer threatened by him because he can't be as good because his, like, bowling hand no longer exists. So he can have that uh, there's a lot of ego involved. The hand represents a lot of ego. And um, in the end, he ends up bowling with that hand anyways. Right, and I think part of Randy, or Dennis Quaid's character, is it like, or is it Randy, Randy Quaid? Uh, it's Randy Quaid. Because uh, it's the same guy, it's the same guy from Independence Day. Who, who goes into the plane at the end of Independence Day. Dude, same he's actor. so great. Yeah. Like, where same actor. I miss um, him. Yeah, I, I miss him too. But yeah, he, uh, he'll he pop up occasionally and stuff, like super randomly, and you're like, what? And then he'll just like cameo real quick. He's uh, like sprinkles. Cause he gets he's great. he's old now, so like he he'll just show up randomly and stuff. I but like yeah, um, um, but with his character, like his his Amish character, helps teach him how to use his hand again, which right. is like, and gives him that confidence. And so, right. but I'm just saying, as far as stuff that like aged well, like there are some moments that are like ee, but at the same time, like there's a lot of redemption in them too, which yeah. I thought what I thought was fascinating. The whole thing is a redemption story. And it also wrestles with ego, expectations, and um, I, it all comes back to redemption again. So yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I really, really like it. So, um, what do you, okay, so um, one of the things we were talking about in this is that there was alternate 
casts. And I read online oh, yeah. that they were going to take out um, Sprinkles. I guess it's Dennis Quaid. <laughs> oh my Randy gosh. Quaid. They're going to take him out. They're going to take out the character of Ishmael. And he's going to be played by uh, Chris Farley. Right. Which I thought was is fascinating. Which would have changed absolutely everything. Yeah, the movie would not be as good if Chris Farley played Ishmael. Let's be honest. Okay. Everybody who heard that now had a little moment. I agree. Um, but, no, what we're saying is not that it would be horrible. It would just be a Chris Farley movie, which would be cool and hilarious and fun. And sometimes, and he couldn't do the movie anyways because there was a conflict in his schedule. He had to go do something else. He was still doing Black Sheep. Yeah. So he couldn't even do it anyway. But that just goes to show you that sometimes... Things happen for a reason. And the reason I say that it wasn't a good cast was not because Chris Farley... Um, Chris Farley's too good. It, he would overshadow the whole movie. It would become... Because Ishmael has such a centralized portion of the plot, it would, it would become... Uh, Chris Farley would be in almost every scene. And he would blow everybody else out of the water comedically. To where it's it it would be very much a vehicle for him. But I'm not gonna lie to you, it would have been so delightful to see Chris Farley, Woody Harrelson, and Bill Murray all bowling. Yeah. In in that scene. Well, initially they also wanted to have Michael Keaton instead of Woody Harrelson's character, which that would be a crazy that cast been crazy. too. That would have been a really interesting like like alternate casting in that. That's funny. But I think that that would also turn around the, the type of movie that it would be. Like I think Woody Harrelson is the perfect cast. Like I don't see like having him be bald and then all the like, he's able to play the straight guys so well. Well not only that, but he also can play, he tipped into the darkness and Woody Harrelson's character can do that. Like him as a character, him as, a, as an actor and as like a character actor too. Like, he's capable of doing stuff like that. Um, Woody Harrelson, I think, is range. one of the best actors working. Dude, underrated do, best actor he of could all do, time. He could do drama. Like, we were re-watching True Detective. He could do drama. He could do comedy. comedy. We watched the new Zombieland. Like, he could do so he could do much. anything, He's dude. all over the place. We're like, he's so good. He so can do good. anything. All right, let's talk about... Uh, would you take out any characters? Could you take out any characters out of this movie? Okay, we argued about this a little bit, and I don't think that we should take out any characters. I think everything was perfect. I honestly really liked the movie as it is in its package, the way that it shook out. I don't want to take out any characters. Who do you want to take out? Okay, so in the, for the sake of argument, I think that you could take out the love interest character, um, and the movie would still work as a film. I don't know. Um, the, <laughs> the reason why I say that is, okay, so you take her out, and you take out the conflict between Woody Harrelson and her. Um, at the end of the day, he's still going to lose the bowling tournament. And he's still going to lose the bowling tournament to Bill Murray. And this made more sense to me now that I've seen it a second time, mm -hmm. that if I took her out, the end of the movie still is the same, and the redemption story can still happen, except that, like, the stakes are much lower. I uh, agree with you, but I like high stakes, and this movie is about high stakes, and 
I think it's absolutely necessary to keep her in because she is what keeps at the halfway point to get you into that third act. She is the vehicle that gets the characters to that place. She gets them there and then her character is no longer around. Like, she's totally necessary to well, cause, yeah, it's it's to partly it's going. partly her character that like gets them into to, to go find at a certain point in the film she Rainy gets quits. them out of trouble she gets them into back into the game she kind of gets them into trouble again like she's necessary she's a necessary level of friction for right. that story to continue to move every time they hit kind of a wall they bring her back in um and then it changes the dynamic and then the movie moves forward yeah. uh but in a lot of ways, like, Quaid could have ran away, like he does in the film, <laughs> and uh, Harrelson could have still tracked him down, and then they still could have moved on without it. It wouldn't be as interesting. But this was them having to realize that they have to rely on themselves. Sometimes, I, I, I feel like it goes back to the whole redemption thing again, this, there's no easy way out. No one's going to get you out of your own mess. Like, you have to be the one to do it, and their lesson was overly reliant on somebody else. Uh, they both were doing it, and that character was necessary for them to be able to stand on their own and come together, but also rely on themselves. So I say she stays. Yeah, but I still I think the movie could have worked without her. You could have definitely you could have gotten rid of her. Um, she's a great actress though, and she does add a lot to the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and that's something where we just agree to disagree on that. But if we're just talking about like cutting stuff, like that would be a place I could see. Like we could cut out her story arc and the movie could still come Well, I mean, work. if we were going to cut stuff out, I think the one thing I would cut out is the bull milking scene. The bull milking joke. Yeah, absolutely. It does not, it doesn't work as well. A lot of the scenes in That the, didn't age well. Yeah. And a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of it, that movie didn't, like that part didn't really work all that well. And neither did the scenery, like he cuts off the horse's feet either. Like there's a couple of jokes that are like, what? And, and I think you hit something though where it's like a lot of the jokes are really funny and like really well crafted bits. Um, I did want to talk about the funniest bit, like what you thought was the funniest gag. Okay. But I do agree with you and it's like that the, the bull milking scene took that movie to a level of like, like toilet humor that it was already kind of above. And I think even with the like, even with that scene, like that still was above because they didn't spell it out for you. And they didn't spell out the cow milking scene either, but it's just like, it just didn't really need to be there. Right. A lot of it just, like some of the, and then the I think the the horseshoe scene didn't really need to be I there mean, either. Honestly, they needed to do really outlandish things that he didn't fit into the that community and stuff. And that but he was the so barn hilarious. raising one was funny. Yeah. And the reason why the barn raising scene was funny is because like, they're like, we almost died. <laughs> <laughs> whole town is mad at him yeah. because and then they just show him and he's eating he had like food in he's his beard eating and with stuff. like the women and the children right. and there's like clearly like social roles that are supposed to like the men are like building and like the men are supposed to eat last yeah and it's like and he's stuff. there only taking care of himself but like they made it even funnier because not only is he eating but he's like he's like going to town like yeah. there's like food in his clothes yeah. like on his beard and stuff and they just stand there like angry at him and it's it, that joke works on so many levels. It's the cow milking thing is just kind of like. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, what we got? What we got? Would you say if the since these movies are both about bowling, 
Which one do you think is better? Do you think Kingpin is better than The Big Lebowski? When did The Big Lebowski come out? I think that movie is also like 96, is 97 in that era. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll find out. I'll yeah. find out for us. Fact check. But what, what do you think? Um, I mean, Kingpin went under the radar for me. The Big Lebowski was something that was like constantly echoed and talked about. Alright, The Big Lebowski came out in 98. So that would mean that the Kingpin was the first to, first to market if we're gonna make yeah. fun of like bowling or have bowling movies. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Lebowski had like, uh... Sorry, it's Randy Quaid. <laughs> so eager. Yeah. That's hilarious. Dennis Quaid. So, um... I mean, what's the question again? I mean, they're so Which different. one do you think is better? Do you think The Big Lebowski... And that could be your answer. Like, the, do you think The Big Lebowski is better? Or do you think Kingpin is better? And and you could say it, they're different. And they I, are, they're very different I movies. feel like they're different. I yeah. feel like one of them's like a dark slapstick comedy. And I feel like the other one, Lebowski, is like a darker comedy in general. I think the, the cast is much deeper in, in The Big Lebowski. Um, I feel like the cult following is incredibly rich. Well, I think that the Big Lebowski is better because it's not about bowling. Like, a yeah. bowling is just like, it's a just thing, a, a thing that they it's do. It's almost like the, it's, it's, um, part of the environment. It's almost like the character. For example, in Batman, the city of Gotham is a character. Mm -hmm. In the Big Lebowski, the bowling, bowling a it, it's a character. Yeah. So... For me, I think the the Big Lebowski is probably a better movie. I think that it's highly rated, and it that makes a lot of sense. So I I don't like well like bowling bowling them. bowling and kingpin. You could replace bowling with other things. You could replace bowling with pool. You could replace bowling with darts. You could replace bowling with a lot of other yeah. sports and the, the movie is, would still kind of work. Which is why I think it was great for me to watch because it's something that I could kind of like escape with, laugh at, it's not too long and um, I can see myself in a lot of the characters even though it was cartoony and hammy. In The Big Lebowski, um, the story is much different and um, the journey is different. I like The Big Lebowski. I think it's really, really good. There's a lot of things about it that are like nostalgic and that I like truly enjoy. Um, but I didn't see that one until a little bit later in like my teen years. So. Um, yeah, I was much older when I saw The Big Lebowski and then I've only just recently seen Kingman. Like I, I missed that movie almost entirely until I was like I mean, I early, was, early college. Yeah. So, exactly. The Big Lebowski I watch regularly, like, throughout. Uh, what are the, in Kingpin, what are the heroes and zeros? Like, what do you think, like, who should total, be celebrated as a hero? Total hero, Woody Harrelson. Absolutely. Yeah, total hero. Um, people love Bill Murray in that movie so much. He's such a villain. Um, but he's a, I think but he's, he's not a zero. He's a definite hero in that movie. Yeah. And a lot of movies I don't like Bill Murray because Bill Murray, I think, is, is kind of an overrated comedic actor and people wear t-shirts of him and stuff. And I never can really understand 
He's an icon. Because he's kind of is, uh, you know, if you watch him in, you know, like Ghostbusters and stuff, he's just kind of a whatever. You could, you re could replace him with a lot of people. Um, That's why people like him is because he's like, oh, he's just like a guy. He's just kind of a schlubby guy. He's just a but guy. But I would say one of the things that's cool about Bill Murray is a lot of the lines that he says in his movies are not uh, movie like lines that are written. A lot of it's improvised, and so that that makes a lot of his movies a lot more like. That's why I um, love the scene when they're in the diner and he takes advantage of literally every single person around him. Right, because I don't now. I don't know if he's being like the character, or if it's just is just Bill no, Murray. No, this is the he's um, he's being the character. Like I like him in. I think he's a hero in this movie. Not literally like his his character storyline, but in terms of like heroes. He's one of the pros to see it. Like, yeah, yeah, fantastic. But what's the zero of this movie? We know who the heroes are, but what's the zero of it? That bull milking joke? <laughs> uh, yeah, what are the zeros? You know, that is an interesting question. I, yeah. uh, I think that you could have the... I mean, it is kind of like a victimless crime, but to like to put down the Amish community in the uh, way that they do... Well, it was, um, yeah. That and then to like to give. I mean, it is done in the in the context of like a joke where like the grandma has like a beard and stuff. Uh, it is fun, but at the same time, that it does come place from a place of like ignorance. And one of the things I thought was interesting is that like he says that the Amish people work as hard as you do, and then half as much more. So yes. it's like uh, as much plus at, a half. Plus a half. Hard. Yeah, and it, that that's a fascinating. It's just a fascinating idea. That's probably favorite quote actually out of the whole movie if we were to pull quotes yeah I like that quote because I'm like I just like anything that reminds you that to work hard yeah but and okay also, so let's we're talking about zeros okay uh, the zeros from the movie uh, I really don't like the character the like the the greasy guy who follows them and I, the, the, the guy that they kind of like screw over. Oh yeah. And then I, yeah. like he uses his resources. I really don't like. He's incredibly unlikable. There's not a lot of redeeming factors in him. And that's one of the one parts of the movie that I don't think aged very well is he because he hits her. He like hits the girl, and you never see that, but that's very much implied. He like takes her into the other room, and you hear all these sound effects, and it's like. They were actually uh, fun casting. They're going to try to cast George Clooney as that role, which I thought was even fast, more fascinating. This is George Clooney would, is a lot more likable, and so you would have you would have been more on his side, which I thought could be a little bit help more helpful. But he's such a black and white villain that like he doesn't really have any redeeming qualities, and the acting is not really that good either. Like uh, that role could have been played by Ray Liotta. And Rio Leota would have brought a little bit more like depth and like venom to the the bad guyness, because like he was bad, but in some ways he wasn't bad enough. He wasn't to like be believable. Fun. Yeah, like if he was more believable, like I didn't believe that that guy would hit women. I don't believe that, that guy could fight anybody. Like I I didn't believe anything from him. You know, like it that would have been like if they. It's the same kind of thing I feel when you watch Pierce Brosnan's James Bond movies. It's like, Pierce Brosnan couldn't beat up anybody. Like, I just, I don't buy it. Like, so I thought that that character was a zero. Uh, I agree with you that some of the gags, some of the gags were zeros. Um, I mean, yeah. There wasn't a lot, like, there isn't a lot, though. Like, you're right, there is not a lot of zeros in this movie. No. Or I think that there's a lot of pros in a lot of the movie's heroes. Um, 
a, a big, I think one of the underrated heroes in the movie um, is the character that they they run into at the casino in Reno. And he like leans in and he's like, hey, hey. And he does that like weird thing with the dice and they're at the that they meet him at the craps table because that character pays off in a really big way later when Woody Harrelson has this like fantasy sequence about like selling Quaid to him to have sex with him <laughs> and like it's so silly and funny and then he comes out of it and he's like what was that and then you realize that it was all a fantasy mm -hmm. um <laughs> Quaid just has like a towel over his, Is over this his what, butt yeah Mm -hmm. But it's one of the best, I think one of the best jokes in the movie, and I think that it, the movie wouldn't be as funny without that particular, but that actor, like they would define somebody that was like that, that weird like eye twitch thing that he could do, like that guy, that actor is a hero, and I was a fan of that particular, yeah. that particular sequence. Um, if I was going to talk about some of my favorite sequences in the movie, I absolutely love the hallucination sequences that he has and that was one of them um the moment where he looks in the rear mirror and he sees that woman go blah, 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 like yes. that those moments are like what makes this movie to me in my opinion like next level well, and the he, hallucinations are always right funny. and also this has a lot to do with him uh the story has a lot the every time these things happen when he has these like incredibly dramatic flashbacks that are like Ugh, it's him trying to like not run away from his himself yeah too so so i would say one of the heroes of the movie are the hallucination sequences also um one of the heroes i think is the uh the amount of montages that they have a lot of fun yeah. fun montages that i really enjoy it's like a good chunk of the movie is montages and i think we can at least there's at least six there's a lot of montages in that film um but i think it's got a lot more like pros than it does yeah. cons. Like I think you're like absolutely, more heroes than zeros. absolutely right. So this um, movie is, I recommend it. Absolutely. Uh, what was your favorite scene? Hmm. Um, I really liked um, the character development stuff at the beginning when it taught when it's Woody Harrelson's like romantic, like backstory and his progression into like fame and popularity and success and then meeting Bill Murray and them doing like their first hustle together yeah. and how like naive he was that he was even being like hustled in the hustle that I really liked and perhaps it's because that I relate to yeah I would have to agree that I think that's one of the strongest scenes in the movie um... I also really like the scene at the end where he says "by whore." Like it's probably one of my favorite. That oh, the, halluc the hallucination sequences are, are some of my favorites. That one joke at the toward the end of the movie. Um, but as a strength, I think the the movie opens very strong. And I even like the pastor character that like takes off his his yeah. pastor thing to yeah. like to fight. Right. And he's like, "Well, he's right like here, not, God's not present yeah, here." Yeah, he's not safe. Like all of it is an illusion. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I definitely. Enjoy that. Did you have a favorite line? Uh, like I said, the one where he was talking about hard work, oh. doing like, you know, whatever twelve you hours do. plus a half. Like yeah. you know, like we do, like whatever you're doing plus a half. Like 
dedication and hard work. I liked that because I felt like his character, like no matter like how sweet he was, he was like incredibly hardworking. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, I liked that. Yeah, yeah. I work as hard as you, but plus mm -hmm. I have. But also he was so naive, so the shit cloud thing was hilarious. Yeah, that scene's also very funny. Shit that might be one whatever. of the best. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, get out of here, there's a shit storm coming. <laughs> get out of here, there's a shit storm coming. Run for it! <laughs> And he's like telling everyone around him because he's so naive. It's again, it comes back yeah. to being naive. I have a soft spot for that because I feel like, you know, I see myself in Ishmael. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, and then my, I, I want to say like my favorite gag, like what was your favorite joke was. And my favorite joke, and this is kind of a throwaway joke, and that's why I thought it was so funny, but there's just a scene where he's just like hanging out and he has coffee, and he like, he like leans over to like touch the baby and then he spills his coffee on the baby, which I, I could see actually happening in real life. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's why that scene has, is so, uh, it struck with me, because I'm like, I would end up doing that, like by accident, not on purpose like at all, but I just feel like I would luck into that type of, Thing. And, it, and it kind of worked with his character too because he was like such at a low level that of course he would spill coffee on a baby by accident like what else could go wrong in his mm -hmm. life like I uh, I don't know I think that that was that's probably my favorite joke in the movie did you also have a favorite joke um yeah I thought it was really funny and I don't know if it aged well but um Ishmael's such a sweet guy and you start to see everyone around him is kind of shitty right and he's so sweet and he's so nice. But then there comes a moment where he gets kind of testy and then he kind of talks shit a little bit, but he does it in like this weird way where he's like bad mouths, like he like snubs this thing. He's like, that's for Quakers. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like you're Amish. Like who are you right. like putting down And here? that means that like no matter who you are as a person like you're or not what walk of life you come from, you always have somebody that you shit on. Like there's always yeah. a person, like always a group of people that uh, you're not gonna hate. Like and they, like the people that work at Walmart, like shit on the people that work at no, Target I mean, or Kmart. No, I mean, people differentiate themselves by th thinking that they're better than somebody else. It was just really funny. Yeah. You know, and so... I think that's a joke that, like, went under the radar. Yeah. And, like, because we had to, like... That, we, we almost, we didn't get it at first. And we had to, like, rewind and, like, rewatch that particular we, scene. you. I laughed. And I was like, rewind that. It's a funny joke. And you're like, what? Because it slips in. It's, well, like, I, real I think I caught it the first so time many... we watched it. And then the second time, I was trying to pay attention to some other stuff yeah. until where I didn't really get it. Like, I was watching what was ha what else was happening in the scene. And I, well, it was and really it fast. Yeah, it does. It just does kind of sneak up on you. So, uh... Overall, I'd say this movie is very good. Um, in closing, I think you guys should check it out. It's currently streaming on Netflix. Uh, if, if you have a chance, please watch it. It's one of the best it's movies hilarious. on Netflix. It's so uh, funny. If you have any Thunderateds in your background, experience, life, or whatever, definitely comment with your favorite Thunderated movies and maybe we'll scope them out and check them out. We'd love to know what you're up to and what you think is hilarious. You know, if we, you have suggestions, uh, you could always send them to uh, pauldoyleworld at gmail.com. Uh, you could also send them to at abominatrix. Yeah. Um, you could also send them to at pauldoylemcgee on Instagram. Uh, what was your? It's it's at abominatrix. At <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. But like, definitely let us know what you guys think. 
uh, like, comment, subscribe, whatever that means, and we'll just keep this going. We've got a nice deep list, tons of genres to go through that we find are fantastic, are underrated. We have to leave the this episode with the goodbye that they say from the movie. We have to do that. Okay. All right, on three, this is one, two, three. Bye, Bye whore! whore.